And now I'll hand over to uh, to Jenny, who's going to uh, read for us in tonight's passage, which is Malachi chapter 3 and verses 13 to 18. So Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Jenny. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Thanks, Jenny. Um, and so let's keep that passage open as uh, Daniel brings, the, brings God's message to us. Let's just pray for him as he does that. Father, we, we do just thank you that we have your word open in front of us. Uh, we thank you that it's not a banned book, that it's freely available. We know that in some countries and, and sometimes it has been uh, banned and difficult to get hold of. But we thank you that it's freely available and open to us. And we thank you that it's your living word that speaks to us today. And so we just pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us. We pray that your Holy Spirit may empower Daniel. We thank you for the time he spent with you preparing for this evening. And we just commit him now to you and seek your blessing as he brings your word to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, well, good evening, everyone. It's lovely to see you all. Um, and do keep that passage open in front of you as we explore it together. It's going to be good to sort of, we're coming towards the end of Malachi, um, but hopefully this evening we're going to be really encouraged uh, by God's word to us. I want to begin uh, with a story. Uh, once upon a time, there lived a farmer. He was a poor, but a peaceful farmer. The farmer's whole life was dependent upon his agriculture. Throughout the year, he worked night and day, uh, planting and managing and harvesting his crops. When the time came for the dealer to come to buy his crops, only one thought went through the farmer's mind, that he should receive far more than what he usually gets from the dealer. Unfortunately, the farmer received only minimal pay for his crops. And while he was going home, he said to himself, what a pitiful life I live. It's me who worked uh, to the tail for those crops. But that dealer comes along once a year and earns way more than I do. What a wonderful life he lives. Well, the dealer went home and as he was counting his revenue received from all the farmers in the area, the tax collector came through ecstatic to see all the wealth that the dealer had acquired in the day. 
the tax collector took from the dealer most of his wages that he had acquired and left him with only a modest income. The dealer became upset and he said to himself, what a pitiful life I live. It's me who have to deal with the angry farmers and deal with their curses. Only I know how to convince them to pay minimal for their crops. What a wonderful life this tax collector lives. Well, further on into the day, the tax collector came into the palace to present what he had acquired to the king. And he presented all the revenue. And a dim smile stretched across the king's face. And he proceeded to give the tax collector only a tiny proportion of the tax that he collected for the king. And the rest of the money was taken away and put into the king's treasury. The tax collector was sent away and that was it. On the way home, the tax collector said to himself, what a pitiful life I live. I bring all this money to the king and get practically nothing for all my work. What a wonderful life this king lives. He gets all the wealth with no effort at all. Meanwhile, the king who was living in his life of luxury and prosperity, he took a stroll one evening on his balcony and he said to himself, what a pitiful life I live. I live in constant fear of people wanting to take my place. I'm under threat from other kingdoms around and every day I have to solve people's problems that they bring to me. Alas, he said, I have no peace at all. At that moment, he looked out and in the distance, he could see the farmer in his field. And the king said, but this I must say, what a peaceful life this farmer lives. Do you know, I'd say it was almost human instinct, wouldn't you say, to always believe that the grass is greener on the other side, like our story suggests. To believe that other people have it far easier and far better than ourselves. And as Christians, it's easy to believe that as well, isn't it? That the grass is greener elsewhere. And therefore, maybe it leads us to thinking that we'll gain more by not following Jesus. We'll be happier if we lived another way, maybe a way that we see other people living. What benefit does it really bring? following Jesus? Is the grass greener? And that is the question that we see the people in our passage in Malachi asking. They're looking at God and they wondered, what is the benefit here for me? They were people, as we'll see tonight, who believe that the grass is greener on the other side. But God speaks tonight. God speaks to his people And he he speaks to his people and says not to look at the grass that's greener on the other side, but rather to the greater glory that is coming in the future. And as we go through our passage this evening, there are just two points that will hopefully make it clear as we work our way through. The first one is the grass may look greener. The grass may look greener. That's from verses 13 to 15. Our passage, if you notice with me, it begins uh, with God declaring this. Verse 13, you have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. It could say you've spoken hard things against me, God says. 
And that's what we've seen right the way through Malachi, isn't it? Time after time, God's people questioning God. And God says right at the start, I have loved you. And the people, they respond, how have you loved us? The people respond in the book of Malachi, what a burden it is to follow the Lord. You've spoken arrogantly, God says. You've spoken hard things, says the Lord. And yet in our passage, God's people again bring these hard words to God. Look with me at verse 13. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? What have we said? You have said it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? It's futile to serve you, God. That's what God's people say. It's pointless. Uh, Why should we bother going about serving the Lord when we don't gain anything by it? What do we gain? That's the real heartbeat of, of this question that they're asking. Because in verse 15, look with me, that they say, but now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. What do we gain, God? Because as far as we can see, there is no distinction. There is no distinction in life between those who serve you and those who don't serve you. In fact, those who don't serve you, the evildoers, they seem to prosper. When they test you, they get away with it. So what is it? What gain is it to serve God when there is no distinction? No distinction between those that serve God and those who do not. In fact, this gets to the real crux of it. In fact, those that don't serve God, as we've seen, seem to do better, it seems, than those who do. What do we gain? Do you know, this is the grass is greener attitude of God's people If we can live by not having to serve God and life turns out better for us, then what do we gain in carrying out what God wants us to do? Why should we live his way? And as we saw at the start, that same attitude, that same mindset is something that is very easy for us as Christians today to think. We ask ourselves maybe, what do I gain from all of this Christian life? from serving the Lord, from doing life his way? Uh, What do I gain from going to church? Because at the end of the day, being a Christian doesn't make you richer. Uh, Being a Christian doesn't mean that your business will become more profitable. Being a Christian won't mean that you won't get coronavirus. Being a Christian won't mean that we won't have to experience cancer. What gain is it? What gain is it right now? To be living God's way and not our own. And it might be that we look at our friends, we look at our colleagues, we look at our family, maybe who who don't love Jesus, who don't live his way and think, yeah, the grass does maybe look greener there. They might be richer. They might be healthier. They might have more profit in their business. They might even seem happier in many different areas in life. What do we gain? And that might be the real question that we are asking this evening, especially now. 
what do we gain? Especially maybe if we're younger, maybe at school or at college or at university. The grass looks greener. It looks greener, doesn't it? What do I gain? Because it might not be that I, I don't gain anything, but it, but it might be that I lose something too as someone who serves and loves Jesus. I don't just gain, but I, I lose the freedom to do what I want to do. I lose maybe my money in, in giving and tithing. I lose my time by spending it sat here on a Zoom call or on Zoom meetings during the week at small group. I lose the popularity and the respect of my colleagues and and friends at school. I lose the easiness of fitting in with everyone else. I lose Sunday morning lions at maybe before we were doing church online. We might be thinking that we don't have much to gain in following Jesus. And yet we've got quite a bit to lose. In deciding to serve and to to love Jesus this evening. The grass may look greener. But in Malachi, God hears his people's grumbles. He sees his people's displeasure at serving him. He sees their eyes looking over at the other side of the fence, uh, wondering whether that life is better for them. And God speaks and God responds and he speaks to you and to me this evening. If we are thinking that way. And that brings us to our second point, our second point, which this evening, which is the grass may look greener. But here he is. Second point. But the day is coming. But the day is coming. Verses 16 to 18. You see, whilst God's people are questioning and wondering what gain there is in serving God, God points all of his people to this. It seems like there's a remnant. A remnant being a small group of people, a group of people who haven't and aren't thinking like the majority of God's people in Malachi's day, but who we see wanted to honour God, who wanted God to be glorified even above their own gain. Look with me at verse 16. It says, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written. In his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. There were those who served the Lord. Who set God as their highest and greatest priority. And God, through the prophet Malachi, shows to his people what in fact is gained. What in fact is gained in serving and honouring and being part of God's people. Look with me at verse 17. uh, Verse 17. God says, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. God points his people. Do you see it there? He says, on the day. When I act, God points them to a day. And in Malachi, we've already seen God pointing us to what this day is at Malachi chapter three, verse two. If you look back, it says, but who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? And then if you look with me a bit further on in the start of next week's passage, chapter four, verse one, It says, surely the day is coming 
it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. The day that is the day when God acts is the day when God comes. A day when God comes to right all the wrongs in our world. A day when God comes to bring perfect justice. A day when God will triumph over evil. It's a day of judgment. And Paul in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 17, when he's having this conversation with a bunch of people in the Greek city of Athens, uh, he shows us more about what this day is. He says in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 to 31, he says, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but he commands all people everywhere to repent, to change their mind, to turn around. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Paul says this day when God comes, this day that we see in Malachi when God acts, is a day that Paul shows us, it's a day when Christ comes. Christ has been appointed the judge of all the world. Christ has been declared as the one who will come, the one who will right all the wrongs of this world, the one who will bring perfect justice and judgment. A day when all of the arrogance of humanity will truly be humbled. A day when our pride will be overshadowed by his glory and a day when our sin will be held to account. And as Malachi says, who can endure this day? Who can stand on this day? I take one look at my own heart and I think, how could I stand on such a day like this that is coming when Christ comes? And yet in Malachi, God says there will be those that endure it. There are some that there will be those that stand on this day. Look with me at verse 17 again. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them. Just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. On this day, when Christ comes, we see there will be those who will be spared. There will be those that God has compassion on who are called his most treasured possession. And God says that on that day, on that day that is coming, verse 18, the last verse of our passage, you will see the distinction. You will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Remember, that's the complaint. That's the mindset that God's people have had in Malachi. There, there seems to be no distinction, they say to God. There's no distinction between those who serve you and those who don't. But God lifts their eyes. God lifts our eyes this evening. And he says, don't look to the now for the distinction. Look to the future. Look to this day because it's going to be this day that matters more than anything. You might not see a distinction now, but count on this, God says, when that day comes, when I come. 
the distinction will be as plain as anything. And the distinction God says to his people, do you see it there? It's between those who serve God and those who don't. And in verse 16, we get a helpful window into what it looks like to serve the Lord. It says concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured his name. To serve God, therefore, is not being self-centred. And wanting our own gain to serve God is being God centered, not viewing things in terms of how much I gain, but rather how much God is glorified. Those who honored my name, God says. And for us this evening, as we hear of this day that is coming, this day when Christ we see is later revealed as the one who will come. This day when the distinction will be very clear. Well, it means that this future that's ahead should really affect our present, should really affect today. I know myself personally that it was the reality of this day, the reality of a real day when Christ comes that affected me most in how I responded to Jesus now. That this isn't some kind of fictional day, some kind of mythological day uh, that may or may not come. But this day is as certain as the 25th of December is this year. On the day when I act, God says. That is not just some fiction. That is a promise God makes. And God wants the future of that day to affect the present of his people. And do you know wonderfully this evening, wonderfully, if we are wondering whether we could stand on this day, if we are wondering whether we could endure this day that is coming when Jesus comes and he sits in judgment. Well, do you know wonderfully today, Jesus is a wonderful and a gracious and a merciful and a loving king. And he stands this evening with his arms so far open, waiting for people to turn to him. Jesus said one of my one of the most amazing verses, Jesus says himself, he says, anyone who comes to me, I will never turn away. If we want a refuge for that day, if we want security for that day, it is found in Christ, in knowing him, in turning to him, in loving him. For what he's done, as we heard this morning from Romans eight, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's forgiven us and he offers that gift of forgiveness, that rescue to you and to me this evening. If we turn to him, no condemnation. So it might be that we look around now and it might be that we question. Is the grass greener? What do I gain in following Jesus now? We might see that maybe more is to be gained in in not following Jesus at this moment. But, you know, as I heard uh, Nicky Gumbel once quote, uh, he said, the grass is not greener on the other side. He says, if the grass looks greener, it's probably AstroTurf. This evening, we might not be able to distinguish in this moment between those who maybe serve Christ and those who do not serve him. 
But one day, God says, that distinction will be clearer than anything. It'll be clearer than anything. And we'll see, in fact, that the grass that we think is green isn't green at all. It's probably astroturf. And so as we look to this day, this is where our passage leads. It points us to this day when God acts, because this future that's ahead of us is a reality that needs to affect our present. And it might be this evening that we really struggle to believe that there really is a day like this coming. I mean, it's what, been 2000 years? Is Jesus really going to come back? Surely not. Well, let me read these verses as we close from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, which says this. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But that day of the Lord will come like a thief. The day is coming. The grass may look greener, but remember, the day is coming. The distinction will be clear. And Jesus, he invites us this evening, today, tonight, to respond in light of that future day, to turn to him, to not look at everything else and wonder whether the grass is greener, but to turn to Jesus, to offer everything that he has to offer us, to love him, to serve him and to honour him. The day is coming. Let us remain and continue in our trust and our confidence in the Lord Jesus who will one day come. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this promise in your word that the day is coming. On the day when you act, we thank you, Father, that this day is coming, that it's not a hoax, it's not fiction, it's a promise. And we want our lives our hope to be firmly fixed on this future reality. We want this future day to affect our present. And Lord Jesus, we pray that if any of us here this evening do not know you, are not trusting in you, that we would turn to you tonight, that we would turn to you for the rescue, the forgiveness and the hope that you long to give each of us. Protect us, Lord Jesus, from thinking that the grass is greener, from thinking that life our own way is better than life with you. How wrong we would be to think that. Protect us from those thoughts. Keep us with our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.